Hello, this is Saul Luckman. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Conversations on Saul Luckman Uncensored, sponsored by snoozetoawaken.com, resources for lucidity. For more information about my work, including a lot of fantastic free content, check out www.crowrising.com. I'm also now on Telegram, where I'm sharing daily truth bombs at t.me slash Saul Luckman. Today, for the first time, I have my friend and someone I consider a mentor, Dr. Bear Lando, with me. Dr. Bear hardly needs an introduction. He's a veritable legend in the alternative health sphere, but just in case you've been hiding under a rock during the pandemic, when he's been very vocal, here's a snippet of his impressive background. As founder and formulator for Alpha Vedic at alphavedic.com, Dr. Bear Lando traveled an eclectic path through athletics and academics and becoming a physician, bioterrain specialist, and permaculture farmer. I'm very jealous. He is noted among his peers for his innovative clinical strategies and developed an international following for people suffering from chronic degenerative conditions, seeking his services as a bioterrain medicine and functional movement specialist. In more recent years, he earned his Master Gardener in Permaculture Design Certification and presently oversees his off-grid medicinal herb farm while teaching biodynamic farming methods and ionization soil analysis. Now retired from clinical medical practice, he remains active in the internal martial arts, health consulting, creating formulations for his herbal company and developing innovative medical protocols based on the principles of waveform physics. Welcome to Saul Luckman Uncensored, Dr. Bear. Thanks for being with us today. I'd re I've really been looking forward to this conversation and I know that wherever we take this, there's gonna be some serious breadcrumbs of truth that people can follow, not just for themselves, but for our struggling planet. Thanks for being here again. Well, I'm honored to be here. And uh, we have such great uh, lengthy conversations just between you and I behind the scenes that uh, it's really fun to get a whole, uh, get together with you today. So I've been looking forward to this. Right Thank on, you. right on. I was making some notes yesterday and I was thinking, I mean, you know, there's so, so many directions we could, we could go here. And I'm just going to start with where my notes started and we'll just see where all this stuff takes us. And the first thing I'd like to get your, your take on and have a little conversation with you about is Dr. Robert Malone. Are you familiar with him and his work and how he's been in the news recently? I am aware. And um, as I typically do, you know, I keep my ear to the ground, get the gist of things um, without getting too much into the weeds because I've got a lot going on on this end. But I know he's uh, creating quite a stir. So good for him. Yeah, right. So, so he he went on Joe Rogan, right? And he um, he basically came out with this assertion that the planet is suffering from mass formation psychosis, and this is not actually new. There have been, you know, Dr. Mercola has been writing about this throughout the the pandemic, um, and other people have had a lot to say on this subject. But it just so happened to hit the right moment with Joe Rogan and it went public. And now you've got these fact checkers out there saying there was no such thing as mass formation, psychosis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I wanted to get your take on, on his, his diagnosis of the planet, if you will. Well, I've been uh, observing that phenomena going on for quite a few years. You know, I began this journey uh, jumping down rabbit holes about 40 years ago. Uh, you know, when I first went into medicine and uh, got my eyes open by working in the conventional system 
I um, was taken under the wing of some uh, prominent people there that uh, clued me into what the AMA and uh, Big Pharma is really about. And, and then that led to me investigating into a lot of area, uh, other areas, including uh, you know, banking and legal versus law and, and everything we talk about. And what I found was just even trying to talk about, um, you know, pretty mundane things with people concerning like maybe the banking system isn't all on the up and up. Uh -huh. And maybe it's, a, a, you know, the most pernicious uh, uh, system of slave track trafficking in the history of the world. Uh, you know, of course, I couch it a little bit more tactfully, but people couldn't even wrap their minds around that because they're in such a hypnosis that, uh, you know, these sorts of things can't go on. People wouldn't do that to us. How could they accomplish that? There'd be too many people in on it. And, um, you know, it, it's just a tough sell, uh, you know, when you go out and tell the truth. And now uh, we've escalated to the point we're at in uh, well over 20, oh shoot, 30 years ago, we were telling people that there is going to be um, a biological false flag event that they will then uh, use as the pretense for establishing uh, the, con uh, the consolidation of power and also to bring us under, uh, you know, obviously more control and also to call uh, the herds, so to speak. And so we've been crying wolf for a long time. And here we are. The only thing that surprises me, I really didn't think we'd be um, hypnotized enough in, in order to get here. It's just, it's just astounding that some people are still asleep. But the good thing, you know, you, you mentioned that Dr. Malone has hit a chord out there. And I believe it's really time people are waking up and people like Joe Rogan, even though I don't agree with everything he says, uh, they're doing an amazing job and they're actually kicking the whole of you know what out of the legacy media in the numbers that they're drawing. And it's just increasingly making the legacy media, uh, you know, more irrelevant by the day. So it's a joy to see. Well, right on. I, I, I do link to, um, to uh, Malone on this topic on my blog. It's news2awaken.com. Uh, so you can, you can check that out. I'll put that in our show notes for people to, to have a look at. You know, I left a, a message for him over on Getter and maybe a couple of other places. I'm like, you know, Joe, you know, cut the uh, germ theory bullshit. And why don't you interview people like Dr. Bear Lando, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, uh, Stefan Lanka, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I'm really out there trying to put pressure on people in whatever small way I can to, to expand this conversation and get out, out of this uh, what strikes me is increasingly almost uh, controlled opposition-like behavior. And I see that even with Dr. Robert Malone. I don't want to put you on the spot, you know, <laughs> talking about a colleague, but here you have the inventor of mRNA. You've got, this guy is a, a, a just a dyed-in-the-wool, unrepentant germ theorist. He's got Omicron on the brain. Now he's talking about this virus coming, this uh, Ebola-like virus moving through Africa, possibly headed this way. Uh, he's pushing his own vaccines. I mean, if this guy is not controlled opposition, what is he? How does he even? Yeah. Can... How does he even get put forward in that way? And you know, and what role is a Joe Rogan playing in this 
psychodrama being played out on, on the larger stage. I just don't trust anybody in these larger positions anymore, even if they seem like they got there organically. It doesn't matter what side they pander to um, as long as they keep you in the same box. Uh, I have a hard time believing that people as learned and intelligent as some of these people were mentioning um, still don't know. Uh, you know, I was just a lone doctor for Amen. many years doing what I did with uh, looking at my microscope every day. And I proved to myself, uh, along with, um, you know, practically applying what I saw under the microscope and with other things I did to clinical medicine and the uh, results spoke to them, uh, you know, for themselves. So I was able to prove it out. I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a lone person. I don't have, uh, you know, billion dollars of uh, research facilities and technologies and staffs at my disposal and research grants. So don't tell me that they still believe what they're saying. Um, there's even some pretty prominent people, and I'm purposely not going to mention names, but they're, they become sort of the darlings of um, alternative medicine. And they're doing the same thing. They're talking about virums. They wax on very eloquently, uh, you know, about the, the resonance between the virums and, and uh, you know, I'll humanity. I'll mention a name for you. How's, how about Zach Bush? Uh, I didn't say it, but yeah, come to think of it, just possibly, you know, um, you know, and there's uh, a lot of other folks out there doing the same thing. So if I want to give anybody the benefit of the doubt, I say, all right, they are maybe doing that because they believe that they'll lose all credibility if they just come out and say, you know, viruses uh, don't exist, germs don't cause disease. In fact, the whole concept of disease is, is off base in the first place. So maybe they're trying to retain that credibility in order to have a wider listening audience and then maybe two-step that audience into a, um, you know, maybe a deeper understanding. But the problem I have with that, and forgive the background noise, that'll stop in a second. Uh, the problem I have with that is when are we going to be considered adult enough to um, hear the pure, unadulterated truth? And I personally, I could be wrong, but I think we're just flat out of time for doing the two-step, I think we have to jump in both feet with the truth and know exactly what's going on because, you know, we have an audience ourselves, as do you, and our audiences are more than ready to hear it. And when these uh, kind of um, fence sitters, you know, come in, they, they get pretty much called to task when they do that nonsense. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, so a question for you, and I, I'll, I'll go back in a moment and, and cover some other ground here, but do you think it's possible then to exit this pandemic while a lot of people are still embracing germ theory? I think it's on an individual basis, and uh, the answer would be yes, absolutely. But you can't wait for the rest of the herd to do it. What we have to do is each individual that has, you know, uh, eyes to see has to make that decision, act boldly upon it, and, uh, you know, again, go, go with both feet into the truth. And then that is going to contribute to 
the critical mass that I believe we're about, you know, uh, a nanometer away from. And when that next person, you know, embraces the truth, that is going to be the energetic event that will turn the whole tide. So I think we're a lot closer to shifting this whole thing than people might believe. And of course, I believe also the, um, the would-be controllers, the media, and all their uh, arms of disinformation understand this as well, and, and maybe even better than anybody. That is why they're taking such desperate, ludicrous actions right now and just exposing themselves in the process. Right on, right on. Well, well stated. Um, you know, another, another person I have a lot of respect for that I've had on the show is Dr. Kelly Rogan. And she's she's been she's been on on this wavelength for a long time as well. This whole germ germ theory uh, is a hoax uh, wavelength. And I have a quote from her that uh, I would love to sh I'd like to share. You may have heard it before. Germ theory is the ultimate victim consciousness in expression. And my my uh, thoughts on that were: uh, Is it possible to look at the real mass formation psychosis? here is actual as actually being germ theory insofar as it creates a weaponized victim consciousness on a global scale is that just a symptom of a kind of mentality that is is self-destructive because it turns us against ourselves each other and nature and if that's true, how do, we, how do we move beyond this kind of consciousness or this kind of uh, degraded consciousness, you know, full of half truths and people, you know, uh, talking about Omicron being, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> let me, let me, let me, let me unpack this idea. You have people like Mike Adams right now, uh, Dave at X22 Report and other, other questionable types out there talking about this idea that uh, as one UK scientist put it, Omicron could be a ray of light that could help transform COVID into simply the common cold. Where are they making this shit up from? It's just unbelievable. So we're dealing with such psychosis here and people are just literally making up fairy tales about non-existent things and then utilizing this non-existent thing to weaponize the whole planet against itself through a global action of victim consciousness. I, I'm, I'm not trying to answer my initial question for you, but I'm just sort of mm -hmm. expanding on it a little bit. Uh, I just want to hear your thoughts on, on what I've laid out. It's a little all over the place, but you can see it has many tentacles, this beast. Yeah, it sure does. Um, uh, first off, um, yeah, Kelly Brogan is, is uh, definitely one of the great ones out there. She's really stuck her neck out and she's now part of the dirty dozen as they've been designated. Yeah. And what I love about her is, you know, not only is she brilliant, but she comes at it from that, um, you know, not just a shallow psychological analysis, but from a very deep level of understanding exactly what you said. And if you think about it, um, germ theory brings us into just the depths of victim consciousness. And if you look at a society now, I don't think there's anything, you know, held in higher esteem as victimhood. 
and everybody wants to somehow get in one of these new victim statuses. So what's better, you know, like I remember during the, you know, in the, in the, the cancer um, era where they started wearing bandanas and, you know, people are poisoning themselves with horrible things, chemo and radiation, and then, you know, running around with their bandanas and their armbands and just wearing it as a badge of honor. So uh, I think that really, uh, you know, is the best visual for victimhood. Whereas meanwhile, people that boldly said, you know, I really don't want to do that to myself, um, you know, and, and sought alternative means, uh, then very often, you know, they had happier outcomes. So th there's this thing uh, that, that people really, you know, need that kind of attention. And, and I think we can go deeper in that, but that's definitely a phenomenon. So, um, you know, in, in medicine, if it isn't a germ, they're always trying to bring us into a deterministic uh, victimhood of the next thing, you know, like we're a victim of our genetics, if not from microbes. So it's always putting us in that um, disposition where we believe that we're just like a cork floating at sea, you know, um, you know, just obeying the whims of, of whatever's thrown at us. And of course, it's uh, ultimately to keep us from our true potential and realizing our power that, and you and I talked about this just a little bit, uh, you know, before the show, uh, really um, trying to dissuade many people from understanding that there's a much bigger shift going on right now. And during this shift, there's greater opportunity and an ease of exit from the matrix than ever before historically. And so that's the thing that freaks them out the most. They don't want to lose us. They want to rob our souls, you know, if they possibly can and take us with them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a battle right now. Yeah, I remember you saying something early in the, uh, you know, this whole scandemic to the effect that, you know, yes, this was difficult and a little bit freaky. I, I don't remember exactly how you put it out there, but you said at the same time, I've been waiting my entire professional career for this window of opportunity to break this system, this control system, yeah. this, this philosophical system, this scientific materialism, all of it. And I agree that we are at this amazing moment where it is at its weakest ever. This is, this is the time, and we all have to make the ultimate choice. No more fence riding. You know, uh, a friend of mine called me on the morning of 911 and said, hey, did you, you know, turn on your computer to see what happened? And my first reaction, you know, of course, wasn't happy to see people dying, but it was, um, you know, just that, uh, yes, yeah, so it begins. And, and that was my first reaction because I'd been waiting it for it for a long time and I knew that was the signal. I didn't know how long it would take, but I knew that was, um, you know, the big move. And then that would in turn set off all of their plans that they've had in the works for a long, long time, including the whole biological, you know, false flag. Uh, you know, just back to 911 for the heck of it. I was traveling in some circles and doing some work back then, different story. Uh, but we were told two weeks uh, prior to the event that that was going to happen, where it was going to happen. And if you have any uh, stuff in certain places, get it the heck out of there before it does happen. So 
you really have to be uh, eyes pretty close to not see that this is everything staged from day one. And um, the, and then if you look at, for instance, just the patents and and even patents all the way down, you know, years ago, not only about, um, you know, the virus and the vaccines and everything all pre-planned ahead of time and ready to launch, but also patents that had to do with uh, technologies that create the resonance between uh, uh, ingredients in the injection and the microwave frequencies that now we're exposed to with 5G. Right, it's all right. there, all there. On that subject, a good friend of mine pointed out at some point, in, at some point after the, the whole Twin Towers coming down, that that was essentially the ringing of a gigantic tuning fork. <laughs> It was a sending out this signal, you know, that that it was beginning, and I agree totally. That was that was the beginning of this this final assault, uh, and it's we're in another phase of it at the moment. But I also seem I also believe we're seeing a lot of it unravel, and that certainly the narrative is flying apart, and many many potentially positive things are going on in the midst of all of this rollout of, of 5G and the and the vaccines and all of that. Um, do you see it that way as well? Do you see that there are, there are positive signs in the population? You, you, a moment ago, you mentioned that we were very, very close to a breakthrough, that whole, that whole grain of sand on top of the pile, the complex adaptive system where the whole thing might shift in an instant. You think that's, that's it really that's helps? Yeah, definitely. And I think it really helps when you have a little bit of an understanding of how things occur energetically. And um, rather than looking at the final effects that they want to keep us glued to and just preoccupied with to keep us in that fear mentality, if you understand how those events are precipitated, not on this um, crude uh, plane of physicality, but on uh, higher electronic planes, then you'll understand that we can um, not only not be victims of what they've orchestrated on the ground, but then you can also go into those planes yourself within, with many uh, means, including your own consciousness, to create a coherence that uh, first of all, and, and very important, is to keep your own life and affairs in, uh, you know, as a protected state, uh, you know, and not be as vulnerable as the herds that are into that, you know, lower fear and just superstition that this is all we are here as far as this lower compressed data that we that appeals to our senses and, and that we think, you know, it's all that is. So, um higher understanding is is really i think necessary because also it gives you technological advantages to uh not just using your own consciousness which is you know you have to do that first and foremost but you can use other things such as uh, orgone technologies and understanding of how to manipulate the ethers that can really sabotage a lot of things that they're trying to do in the first place uh, while you're protecting yourself and others so on that note, if you were to just break down a few simple steps that listeners could take to, 
to protect themselves, to put themselves in a better position to move through this transition that, that we're in? What, what would you have people do? Things that, that don't require maybe your level of erudition or you know tons and tons of research, but that are very practical that people could actually just embrace and do and that, and that aren't that expensive also, I would say. Uh, pretty basic stuff goes a long ways. And, um, you know, just recently we did a little presentation and, and we got off into the weeds into a lot of things, but in the end, it's just boiled down to, okay, how do we, how do we do this? Well, uh, number one, give your body what it needs to rebuild itself. And, and you and I were just talking earlier about cell salts, things like that, because those are the building blocks that the cells, uh, you know, the materials they absolutely need in order to repair, regenerate, and they're the ones that correct, um, collect the resonance from those higher electronic planes that we're talking about that will, uh, you know, allow our bodies to repair and renew no matter what the circumstances. Now, the 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 next thing is we have to understand that Can we're I getting on that uh, Sure, very, very go for it. So I, I, um, I was always kind of interested in cell salts and, and I, I looked mm -hmm. at them in relation to the, the energy schematic that I mapped out in doing the work that I do with Regenetics. And I always saw them as a kind of, uh, you know, a holographic uh, pre-resonance that, that is, is mapped down in, into our biology. And you kind of confirmed that in your talk the other day. Is that, is that, is that, a, is that a, a fair statement? Yes, and it actually is a resonance that begins with the solar, lunar, and constellations right. that is beamed down on this plane. And then, of course, uh, you know, as above, so below, we are microcosms of that larger order. So the things on the ground that create the resonance that picks up that perfect uh, proportion of things that every cell in your body needs, for instance, uh, liver cells need certain cell salts that are going to create the perfect form and function that we recognize as a liver distinct from, you know, maybe a, a, a blood corpuscle or spleen or, or some other component. So it's really about resonance and it's no different than what people have known about for a long time. And now we, you know, we call it cymatics, you know, in native cultures, they'd, uh, you know, understood they could intonate with instruments in their voices uh, with uh, sand on a, maybe a stretch rawhide or something. And it would create specific geometries when they did those uh, uh, corresponding tonal fields that would create that geometry. So they connected the dots a long time ago. So that's no different than these larger resonant fields beaming down upon us all the time. And the constellations, and this isn't shallow horoscope reading, but when you are born at a certain time, there are resonant fields that are more prominent at different times of the year, uh, you know, uh, divided into 12 components specifically. And so when you understand how to use the cell salts corresponding to those natural cycles in the time of your birth, that's the first clue of uh, how to use those. So if you're, for instance, born in uh, the summertime, August, and, you know, under the sign of Leo, and, you, you know, you really have to understand that 
all of the scriptures, um, all of the um, analogous descriptions of uh, the Zodiac, um, the Bible, uh, the earliest Masonic teachings were all about the human body because we are here not to become body conscious solely, but to understand we are embodying for a reason. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to play the game. So spirit, of course, stays in a pure state, but it requires a body that is whole and resonating in its proper ranges, every single cell, you know, in its proper range in order to house spirit and to bring that light in that will help us accomplish what we're here to do in the first place. So uh, if you're born in Leo, for instance, you're probably going to want to take uh, magnesium phosphorica, which is the resonance associated with that sign because your birth sign is uh, going to tell you that that particular salt is used uh, in much greater abundance compared to the other salts. So you wanna start there and you'll see remarkable things happen when you just approach it from that level. The second thing you can do with cell salts is take what we call the bridge salts. For instance, you were conceived at a certain time and then you spend nine months in the womb, you're born. And now let's just say you're born in Leo. Well, now the next constellations, uh, Virgo, Libra, and Scorpio are those times that were not, um, uh, you were not in the womb. And when you're in the womb, there's a higher likelihood that you're going to have more access to the other nine cell salts. So what you're going to want to do is take the cell salts that um, correspond to those three bridge months between conception and birth. So the Zodiac gives you a really precise uh, way to determine where you should start with cell salt use. Most people will go get a book or look online and, and go at uh, go uh, at it symptoma, uh, symptomatically. That's okay, but it's a, a lot more confusing for the novice. There's a, a larger learning curve, but uh, that would come later. And you'll see remarkable things happen when you take your birth salt, the bridge salts, and then start there. And the thing is with cell salts is there's a lot of things that they have to do and it takes time. So it's not something that you just take and symptoms go away immediately. Although that does happen as well. Uh, you know, a lot of things that we uh, uh, diagnose as illness are actually always these deficiencies other, you know, and sometimes it's poisoning as well. But when these deficiencies are met, sometimes you'll see dramatic and immediate things, but you really need to stay on them for months and you should stay on it for a solid year as far as the birth and the bridge salts. And then that gives you plenty of time to just learn other ways of going about it according to symptoms. And if take the you birth take and the bridge salt uh, together, go ahead, sorry. Would you take the birth and the bridge uh, salts at the same time? Sure. And uh, what you do is just, uh, you know, take them, let them stay in your mouth and then, you know, just give it a pause and, and just do them in succession like that. There, you, there's you, another you, side to cell salts we'll go into, but sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to get clear for myself and for other people. Uh, mm -hmm. So the bridge, the bridge uh, salts are how, how do you determine those one more time? I, 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 I thought I had it and then I realized I was confused. 
No, no problem. So let's just say I'm born in August. Now, if I count three months ahead, that's going to tell me when I was conceived. So those three months between birth and conception are going to be the months we are not in the womb. We're newborn, we're out of the womb. And so those particular salts that we didn't have the advantage of getting higher amounts when we're in the womb, which is what happens if mom is fairly healthy, then there's more of a likelihood we're going to be deficient in those. So if you take the salt associated with your birth month, and let's just take August as uh, you know the example again. All right. So the next month after my uh, birth is, uh, you know, we go into Virgo into uh, September. Then we go into Libra, uh, you know, after that. And then we go into Scorpio. Gotcha. So, yeah. So we're going to go from Magfoss and the Cali Sulf and the um, Nat Sol, uh, Nat Foss, and then into uh, Calc Sulf. So those would be the three that you would take if you were born in August. And so you want to replenish those ones that you did not have uh, uh, the likelihood of getting because you were not in the womb at that time. Thanks. Yeah, that's, that was very, very helpful. And I know that you're mm -hmm. in the process of doing some spagyrics that have a cell salt aspect and your, your products are of mm -hmm. course just amazing. And, and I would recommend that people go over to alphavedic.com and just check out your shop because it'll blow people's minds. Uh, but in the, in the meantime, if you uh, wouldn't mind sharing maybe some recommendations for what kind of cell salts you would, you would, you, you would personally recommend. So, um, the spagyric process is very lengthy and I don't sell any of that on the website. My company doesn't alpha Vedic, um, you know, where it's more foundational nutrition, but, you know, from a very advanced, uh, context within uh, a spagyric mindset, but it's not the spagyrics that I would make in my lab where I can maybe make a gallon of stuff and it's going to take me two years. Wow. Uh, so uh, cell salts are great in that you can get them uh, readily. You know, you can get them at the health food store. Uh, there's ones that I prefer. I like um, uh, Jackson's Pharmacy out of Canada, and we'll actually be carrying those on our website uh, because it's a great place. I believe that everybody needs to start. Now, if you really want to get fancy, now we can't go into uh, too much on this because it does get a little bit complex, but there is a way from deriving salts and having them spagyrically elevated so that they have more of, uh, let's just say that philosophical spiritual component to them. And it's not at all just about metaphysics. It's real science. It's been hidden from humanity for a long time. Mm. Uh, as an example, you can collect rainwater you know, we know that um, animals and plants have seeds, you know, in order to propagate the species. It would surprise a lot of people if they knew that there are even seeds for the mineral kingdom. 
and you can collect those in rainwater. However, you have to go through quite a process. Uh, after you collect them, you'd have to go through, uh, you know, having the rainwater sit, and then you'll notice some certain things coagulating. Then you put it through uh, a good number of distillation processes in different proportions, and then you're left with, uh, you know, literally crystals from the rainwater. Then you revivify the crystals with the different components of the distillations. And you, you know, do this for at least a year or so. And in the end, you're left with uh, salts that correspond to uh, the three different uh, components that uh, alchemists always spoke of, which is, um, you know, the mercury, which is spirit. Right. Uh, sulfur, which is the soul, and salt, which is the body. And it does very, very um, profound things to you. But I would say you also need to be in the frame of mind to understand it will bring about changes on other levels of your being, you know, that some people are ready for, some people aren't, but it would do amazing things for your physical self as well. But uh, that's not at all to demean the effects of the regular cell salts that anybody can get, because if you stick with those and just learn the basics, you can do tremendous things. And I think that's one of the first things that anybody has to, um, you know, really do as far as doing the basics, which was your uh, question a long time ago, I think. And then oh, yeah. uh, the rest of the rest of those things, uh, you know, would get into how to protect yourself, mitigating exposure, and then, you know, how to get poisons out of your system. Well, let me ask you a question while we're still on cell salts and salts in mm -hmm. general. Um, do you think uh, there is a cell salt connection with urine therapy? I think there is. I believe that, uh, you know, the body's... Um, laboratory, so to speak, uh, will um, give those in certain concentrations as they're given off in the urine, including certain stem cells and certain other things. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are into that. And, uh, you know, its efficacy, I think, is proven just as a matter of the fact that it's been around for thousands of years, a part of Ayurvedic medicine. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people do that, but like any trends, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work on everybody the same because we are complex, you know, mind, body, and spirit. We bring a lot of things uh, to the table. Each of us, we each have a unique chemistry set. So urine therapy might help others, uh, you know, and maybe not yourself. So it's not a panacea and people tend to jump into things. Uh, in my clinical experience, I always had to take more of a custom approach to get predictable results mm. rather than just do general things like that. And I also uh, believe there's other ways to produce those same effects uh, from the elements that you might get in urine. And then also, uh, and, and I don't think I'm not at all suggesting that urine therapy is dangerous, but you know, there are waste products in there. And depending on how clean a person is in the first place, it may or may not be a great idea. Gotcha. Gotcha. And in terms of the individualized nature of what we, what we call disease, I'm, I'm right there with you. I've always said that, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're basically stories in action and, and we need to get back to the story of, of, 
how we got to where we are. And it's really interesting lately. I've been listening to Dr. Tom Cowan, his podcasts and mm-hmm. he's completely on this wavelength and is, has just thrown out the diagnostic model almost entirely in favor of a kind of narrative model of health. And I, I find this fascinating as certainly as a literary person, this is just golden because I believe that's where that's where the rubber meets the road. It's really the stories that we live, the stories that we tell about ourselves, that we keep active and understanding, understanding that from a more subtle standpoint is you know, incredibly important in the healing arts. Otherwise we are just replicating some kind of mechanistic version of quote unquote reality that's just a, just a trap, just part of the matrix. Well, the the materialism of uh, scientism, we'll say, as it's come to be, um, really brings us into one side of the scientific equation and leaves out that uh, deeper understanding that Tom is very aware of. And, you know, he's a sharp guy. And, you know, both of us a long time ago uh, jumped into anthroposophical medicine. I was a, you know, big uh, Steiner student way back in the early days. And uh, I don't want to speak for him, but... I, um, you know, have kind of distanced myself with contemporary anthroposophical medicine because they've, uh, they really aren't furthering the, uh, or moving the ball downfield as somebody like Steiner, I think would be the first one to say, you know, you can't just, uh, you know, be static from what I said back then, you know, you have to go to the next level of understanding. And, uh, you know, people get a little bit rigid when they become followers. And also a lot of the uh, Steiner movement now, they're all wearing masks and, you know, uh, getting the roll up your sleever. So, you know, go figure that one. So I'm, I'm very sad. You know, not too, yeah, not too happy with that. But, um, you know, Tom talks a lot about crystals and things like that. And, you know, what we're talking about in spagyricism is, uh, you know, really collecting those uh, crystals, which are the seeds, you know, the the germ level of all of life, including the mineral kingdom. And if somebody thinks that a mineral is an inanimate object, uh, you know, that is a real life force. And I agree with you completely. You know, the big shift uh, I think that I made a long time ago in the practice of medicine is I learned not to look at the body literally. It's uh, I, I had to look at it more analogously on and and use that to um you know just mirror many different levels of a person's reality of their psyche of their you know the soul level and so forth so um when you're just trying to interpret things from pieces on the ground and taking that literally you're going to miss the boat probably 99% of the time Right on, right on. So you were uh, mentioning detox in addition to cell salts and that kind of fortification. So if somebody wanted to engage in in some gentle, let's say, detox, because you can also blow yourself out of the water, uh, how would you how would you go about that? In my early days, I did uh, more allopathic approaches with different chelation therapies and IVs. And I learned to just uh, go to more gentle approaches. I had much better results when I did that. And so I favor um, just things readily found in nature. I love algaes. Uh, algaes have a great propensity to latch on to things that do not belong in our body or that are anti-metabolites and take them out of the body. Well, uh, you know, 
um, leaving a lot of good nutrition in their wake, uh, high chlorophyll levels and so forth that, you know, are, are healthy on a lot of uh, levels. Uh, then there are certain minerals like zeolite and, you know, zeolite's gotten a little bad press lately uh, because uh, people have said, oh, it's got impurities in it and everything. So uh, that's true. If you mine in the wrong places and you don't go through the pains of micronizing it and purifying it. So, you know, uh, you know, I make blends that are a uh, combination of different algaes and other known botanical chelators along with, you know, purified zeolite. Uh, I think that's a great one because not only does that, um, and I also put it in a fulvic um, delivery system so that it, it gets into all the nooks and crannies better, plus leaves good minerals in its wake because uh, receptors that are void of minerals are uh, just inviting other things, you know, like uh, heavy metals and things to take their place if you create that void. So uh, I think if you put all those things together, uh, that's a good gentle way of just keeping things moving through you, uh, not just heavy metals, but also it gives you a measure of protection against radiation. And what we are exposed to every day with our cell phones and these computers we're on right now is radiation. It's ionizing radiation. And uh, people say, oh, that's, that's not true. Only uh, x-rays and plutonium and, and those, uh, higher valent, uh, you know, elements uh, up at that level, the periodic cable are ionizing, but no, that's not true. Ionization is really the heating up of uh, cells to an unhealthy level and everything, these short wave um, uh, frequencies from, you know, your 5G and so forth, uh, or even 4G, 3G are ionizing radiation. So you, these other elements that I'm talking about can give you a measure of protection from that as well, because they leave anti-metabolites in their wake. Uh, the other thing, you can do targeted uh, low bowel colonics, uh, not colonics, but enemas. And, you know, we're a little squeamish about that sort of thing in the Western world, but in the old world and Europe, other parts uh, of the world, uh, it was just part of uh, just like changing the oil filter in your truck. And, and, you know, it's just part of old folk medicine forever. And people just knew how to do that. Not so much just to clean out your bowel, but in the lower bowel, you can introduce different herbs and substances that can then absorb uh, more readily and go systemic uh, by bypassing the digestive system. So it's a good way to get things in there. Uh, one that comes to mind is a coffee enema. You know, coffee enemas, they discovered during the world wars, nurses on the battlefront, when they had patients that were in great pain and they had a shortage of morphine, they would do these uh, uh, coffee enemas and it would really abate the pain. And there's a mechanism, uh, you know, created within the liver that uh, contributes to that whole pain mechanism. So uh, then they were able to make the link between, oh, it's, uh, you know, creating an interaction with the liver. So when you uh, imbibe coffee uh, the other way, then it goes right to the liver and it does several things. It um, allows the liver just to dump all the stuff that is filtering, and it is the major filter me uh, mechanism in the body and the lymphatic system. And so as we're being inundated with all the things we're exposed to these days, it's really nice to maybe one, two, three times a week, 
to uh, just let your liver dump. And then, you know, rather than getting backed up with accretions, it's going to be able to keep doing its job. The other good thing is it raises glutathione levels um, 600 right. yeah. times. Yeah. And glutathione is one thing that's been found to uh, actually degrade the graphene oxide that has been implemented in the um, roll up your sleevers these days. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, it's a good way to, uh, you know, give yourself a fighting chance as far as not having that accumulate, uh, which of course also resonates with the 5G to do other unspeakable things to your biology. So uh, that coffee enemas are a great one. Um, we could go into other things that would help counteract, I believe, which includes one cell salt, uh, you know, with people that do get the lethal injection. Um, what else that, you know, of course you want to mitigate uh, exposure. So now I live off grid and it's easy for me to do, fortunately, and I know it's more difficult for people that live in an urban environment, but you know, every night we turn our modems off and I don't care if you live in a city or not, turn your modem off. Um, there are simple biogeometry devices that uh, even without going through advanced biogeometry training, you can go to biogeometry.com and get things that they sell to the general public. They're advanced tools. They don't because you need to know how to use them. Uh, I mean, if anybody's inclined to get that training, that would be the ultimate in protecting yourself. But if you just get some of these uh, open market devices they make, um, you know, one of them is uh, like a little cube here. Now that might not look like much, but if you understand how geometry and how these are fabricated to resonate, uh, you know, and cover a whole couple thousand square feet of a household to neutralize, um, you know, say Wi-Fi uh, by creating an abundance of a different kind of energy, golden mean energy, we'll call it, that then will overwhelm the Wi-Fi, then, you know, simple devices like this are fantastic. Uh, also within biogeometry, uh, you know, they sell, uh, medallions that have uh, biosignatures on them. And so it protects your uh, personal biology because these biosignatures, which are the geometry unique to every organ and part of your body, structural and otherwise, it's uh, anything that you're exposed to that is uh, the synthetic vertical short uh, waves, which are noxious to you, um, this will reconfigure those into the proper um, geometries for the organs and things so that they are not affected directly and adversely. So uh, it takes a little bit of understanding to really wrap your mind around that, wow, this is really works. And in fact, it's based on things that have been around for thousands of years. The Egyptians had it done to a very fine art and Dr. Kareem, uh, you know, who is uh, you know, steering the ship for biogeometry, he has real, not only resurrected uh, what they were doing uh, back in those days, but taking it up to a very refined level. So that's another good thing you can do. And then the other thing I'd say is you just have to get outside, uh, you know, get your feet in the dirt, get in nature as much as you can, because those uh, resonant uh, fields out there are going to overwhelm anything and restore you to more of a compatible state internally, you know, as far as what you want for your health. Um, what else can we say? 
I, I think that, you know, I mean, there's a lot more things we could talk about, but I'd start there and exercise, exercise. You got to keep things moving. Um, so, you know, we're talking about a lot of stuff that's free. It's a no brainer. People already knew, know these things, but how many people actually do them on a consistent base basis. And then you had a few other little goodies in there that we discussed and you're really going to be in pretty good shape. And I'd say last thing is, um, get your head right and, uh, you know, get yourself as much, we'll just say knowledge as possible so that you can see through their charade and know that you don't have anything to fear when you get on your A game in the first place. Oh, wow. That was some golden stuff. Thanks so much for sharing. I did have a question about, um, about things like, you know, you talked about fulvic acid earlier and, uh, you know, I've, I've recently seen some very interesting things of like um, peat moss comforters, for example, you know, where you would actually sleep under that. Is that something you think could be beneficial? I know it would be very natural feeling. Um, I've never seen a peat moss comforter. That sounds kind of cool. And I could uh, understand, uh, you know, how something like that could work. Absolutely. Because that is going to give off a resonance of its own. I know what I feel like when I camp out in the woods and I'm sleeping on top of that stuff, just on the dirt and, you know, and all those natural elements that you just naturally feel good. And, and I understand why. So yeah, it sounds like you're trying to bring a little bit of the outdoors, uh, in with you so i can't see how that could possibly hurt sounds like a good idea all right well i'm, I'm glad i was attracted to the concept they're a little bit expensive mm -hmm. but they they should last a long time if you take care of them so you know mm -hmm. uh, there's like a winter version and a summer version uh, i just saw them over on dr cowan's store and uh, you know he sells them oh, products okay. and so i need got, to take uh, a look at those sounds like yeah, fun I, I think they've got the comforters and there's also um the um you know, the mattress pad version of this or whatever. And they, mm -hmm. they have, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's certain ways to take care of them, airing them out, that sort of thing that they're, they're a little different from just a normal comforter that you, comforter that you wouldn't have any real upkeep issues with. So a little more high maintenance, mm -hmm. I suppose. So switching gears, um, you know, that I've, I've been very interested in this question of, of uh, the nature of evil who the real enemy is here, what are we up against, that kind of thing. I wrote this book, Callie the Destroyer, about <laughs> archons and, and the controllers of our world and all that kind of thing. And without you know putting you on the spot too much, I was wondering if you might uh, share your perspective on you know, the man behind the curtain. Uh, what are we dealing with on a planetary level here? I, you know, and does it, does it really matter <laughs> or is it all about ourselves? Because you get into this whole question of the power of our own consciousness and that's a valid question. So I just wanted to give you the floor with, with those, with those questions uh, to see, uh, you know, where that goes. I think it really matters uh, because the more you understand about the different planes within this realm that we occupy then the more you can act intelligently within it and also use it more to your own advantage now i'm kind of a grounded practical sort of guy i started over on the conventional side i you know in the 60s when everybody was out 
uh, dropping acid and finding their gurus and, and, and that sort of thing. I was playing football in college. So, wow. you know, I've just always been kind of um, sort of a nuts and bolts sort of guy. And, um, you know, if I didn't see a lot of proof of these things that you're talking about with my own eyes, I did have an openness to learning. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, you know, I probably wouldn't believe a lot of that. You know, there's a great book uh, written by what's named Trevor Constable, and he refers to the people as uh, the boys downstairs. Uh, you know, some of these entities <laughs> that you're talking about. And I've adapted that term ever since. I really like it. So um, Rudolf Steiner, a great adept, uh, no doubt about it, and definitely tapped in beyond the beyond. He talked about three incarnations. Uh, the first, which happened in Asia long ago, was Lucifer, referred to as Lucifer. Now, rather than conjuring up horns and pitchforks and things, um, Lucifer, as the incarnated, creating, created a resonance that uh, had a great influence on Asian cultures. And Asian cultures, for that reason, uh, became very preoccupied with having out-of-body experiences. So going down that road exclusively, there's a great danger of not taking care of business on the ground, which is why you embody here in the first place and right, use this right. uh, you know, as a place to gather energy to you know, use your retro rockets. And, and you know, some people call it the ascension. It doesn't matter what you call it. So, and there's a, a great advantage of having that experience on the level of the soul. Now, the, uh, the next incarnation was uh, the Christ consciousness. And, uh, you know, without getting into arguments about uh, different names that we call the individual that incarnated or, or, or where or whatnot, there was an incarnation that created, again, a great resonance that was more um, akin to the way, uh, the way meaning the middle path, you know, not one extreme versus the other. Now, um, what Trevor Constable found by studying a lot of great people, including Steiner and uh, Wilhelm Reich, uh, Ruth Down, uh, a lot of these folks that were way ahead of their times, he was able to use different equipment. Uh, in photography and actually photograph um, not just entities uh, and creatures of all manner, but also ships and so forth uh, that are with us all the time. And some of them are indifferent to us. Uh, some of them are completely unaware of us. Uh, some of them are really malevolent. And that is what Steiner was talking about when he referred to Aramon. And there is a great effort by, you know, they're loosely called uh, Satanists these days, you know, and people, a lot of the people that are in power that are, if it hasn't already happened, they are preparing for the, um, uh, let's just say the embodiment of Aramon. And uh, Aramon would be likened to the co-cycle in Chinese medicine, where it's pure destruction. And for whatever reason, these folks are into destruction and creating uh, ugliness instead of beauty. 
and also, you know, operating from greed and, and whatever else floats their boat, uh, you know, wanting to get rid of everybody else in the first place. So Araman would be that other extreme. Of course, the Christ consciousness is right down the middle, the way where you have a perfect amount of understanding how to access your other levels of reality through those higher electronic planes, but also being adept on the ground to manifest, uh, you know, things of beauty, uh, you know, that we are here to do in the first place, including perfecting our bodies so that they are, have the capacity to house spirit in its fullest potential in the first place. So I'm a big believer in it. I've seen photographs and proof uh, of things myself and also worked with some individuals that bent my noodle a little bit, uh, you know, that uh, got me out of my, uh, you know, conditioned mindsets. And so, uh, and, and also things that I saw in my clinical practice over many years. So uh, yeah, there's a lot more going on in meets the eye and these subplanes, the boys downstairs, that do not have the best intentions for us, they understand uh, how to manipulate the mental plane of people. You know, we have different electronic levels. The mental plane is our highest there where we produce thought that then polarizes in electricity and then, you know, through emotion and all the other planes and precipitates into matter in our experience. So they know how to manipulate us at that mental plane. And, um, there is great evidence that they are in complete control of a lot of these people that we consider our leaders, the, uh, you know, the so-called elites, I, I can't stand calling them that, but uh, politicians and, you know, we all know who they are. So they are actually under greater mind control than anybody else, but they have also been given the tools through these same subplanes on how to, manipulate the mental plane of humanity as a whole. And those folks that are not ready to make the big jump into where this shift is now taking those of us that wish to go along for a really pleasurable ride, um, you know, they are uh, falling prey to this, uh, this mental control and they are literally, you know, in a hypnotic trance. So, yeah, uh, if you understand that there's actually intelligences and you could, you know, we can rationalize, well, maybe they're doing us a favor and, you know, uh, you know, forcing us to really, uh, you know, take our game up a few notches, you know, it may be true, but either way, it's helpful to um, know how it works, who's out there, who's doing what and then how to take measures so that you don't fall into that trance yourself. Well, well said, well said. Yeah, that was a, a really nice kind of overview of, of, the, of that territory. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. You know, when we uh, first started talking before coming on air here, we were, I was mentioning uh, this, this article on the Kali Yuga, and I thought I would share a little bit of that and get your perspective on it because it very much ties into this idea of this awakening process that we're, we're in the middle of, and it helps shed light on maybe what's 
what's pushing it, maybe why the timing is what it is right now, uh, why there seems to be such urgency and desperation on the jab push, uh, part of the jab pushers and, and this whole control agenda. So if that's okay with you, I'd love to just, uh, just share a little bit of that. Sure. So if this is from New Dawn magazine back in, um, I'm thinking it was, 20, it was 2017, it's uh, volume 11, number three, and it's the end of the Kali Yuga in 2025, unraveling the mysteries of the Yuga cycle. And what I found really fascinating about this very scholarly article was that it looked at a lot of different, um, uh, just a lot of different um, <clears throat> information. Uh, this is by, written by Bibu Dev Misra. And um, so I'm going to call this person Misra. Hopefully that's okay. And so Misra is writing about uh, this from a very, like I said, scholarly uh, perspective and looking at different it's kind of contradictory information about when the end of Kali Yuga is and that kind of thing. And the, the problem is, is that uh, there are lots of different competing interpretations of um, when the end of the Kali Yuga is. Um, and a lot of people say that it's already happened. Some people say it's hundreds or even thousands of years away. And uh, there, there are reasons for that. <clears throat> but I wanted to get into um, uh, a little bit of this, uh, of this idea of uh, the, that it's actually approaching imminently here in 2025. And so, so Misra writes that the original Yuga cycle doctrine appears to have been very simple. A Yuga cycle duration of 12,000 years with each Yuga lasting for 3,000 years. This cycle is encoded in the Saptarshi calendar, which has been used in India for thousands of years. It was used extensively during the uh, Maurya period in the fourth century BCE and is still in use in some parts of India. The term Saptarshi refers to the seven rishis or the seven sages representing the seven stars of the great bear constellation. They are regarded as the enlightened rishis who appear at the beginning of every yuga to spread the laws of civilization. So it's really, really fascinating stuff. <clears throat> so um, if the 2700 year cycle of this calendar represents the actual duration of a yuga, then the remaining 300 years out of the total yuga duration of 3000 years automatically represents the transitional period before the qualities of the subsequent yuga are fully manifested. <laughs> so the total duration of the yuga cycle, excluding the transitional periods is equal uh, uh, to uh, the, the great year of Heraclitus in Hellenic tradition. This clearly indicates the underlying basis of the cycle of the world ages in both India and Greece was the 2700 year Septarshi cycle. Do you find that interesting, Bear? Yeah, and um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I don't go so much from the Ayurvedic uh, perspective but more from just uh, the resonance of, you know, what we've been talking about the whole time. And I think there's a, an absolute correlation. Of course, we're ending the, you know, the Piscean uh, age and uh, moving into Aquarius. And that is a completely different resonance. 
uh, right. And so he's tying, that, he's tying that across to the Hellenic or Hellenic or the Western tradition. Uh, I'll just read mm -hmm. a tiny bit more here. Um, this, is, this is where it gets interesting. A Septarshi era began in 6676 BCE, and another cycle started exactly 3,000 years later. But the Septarshi cycle is of 2,700 years duration. So why did the Septarshi era for the Kali Yuga start 3,000 years after the previous cycle? This means a 300-year transitional period must have been added to the end of the previous cycle. If we use the 6676 BCE date as the beginning of the Dwapara Yuga in the descending cycle, and the 2,700-year Septarshi cycle along with the transitional period as the basis for the Yuga cycle, the entire timeline of the Yuga cycle is unraveled. This Yuga cycle timeline takes the beginning of the Golden Age to 12676 BCE. And the timeline also indicates that the ascending Kali Yuga, which is the current epoch in which we are living, will end in 2025. So we're, you know, three years away or less, according to this information, to the end of the cycle, at which point there will be this 300 year transitional window as we move into the, the ascending Kali Yuga, where things start to actually get a lot better and more enlightened, um, you know, according to this information. So I, I found this to be fascinating. The, the, the potential downside of this is that Yugas tend to be, the, the end of the Kali Yuga tends to be accompanied by cataclysmic activity. And a lot of times there's a lot of, a lot of loss of life and destruction. <laughs> So it really is, is sort of good news and bad news at the same time. And I was just wondering what your take is on that dynamic. I think just current events prove that out because everything is crumbling and people that think that we're going to save anything that is in existence now, as far as any of our institutions and, you know, maybe even a lot of our civilization and cities and so forth, period, um, you know, it really has to all come to an end. I don't think it's all, um, you know, death and destruction, but it also will be cataclysmic because, you know, people on the face of this earth are conduits, you know, the living embodiments of, the, you know, the creator um, that uh, are either resonating into the earth dissonance or being clear channels for the light. And there's been so much dissonance for so long, the earth, and that goes into the surface of the earth. So the earth itself has to purify that. And, uh, you know, that's why we're going to see volcanic, well, we're already seeing it, volcanic activity and earthquakes and so forth. Now, there's actually a whole science um, behind this that uh, we could go deeper that some people are right now in rediscovering what rulers have known for centuries and kept from us and uh, the reason being is if we understood more of what's going on right now because now is i believe more of a conclusion of a grand cycle because there's cycles within cycles within cycles we're coming around uh the bend of a whopper right now right and uh the ruling uh classes kept it uh secret so that you know the the 
the sheep here are more vulnerable and it's just a good way to keep the herds cold. And at the same time, it gives them uh, an understanding of where they want to be and where they don't want to be. So a lot of information is coming out now with people that are understanding more the technological aspects of this realm and seeing that this living earth is actually, you know, a, a technology, a living uh, technology, not just some kind of AI that is under the direction of, um, you know, higher levels of intelligence that are, uh, you know, can't save us from ourselves. So if we're in the wrong place at the right, uh, wrong time, yeah, then it could be, you know, not just uh, cataclysmic, but catastrophic at the same time. Um, but when I look at the fact that everything is crumbling, what well, has to be because everything was based on dissonance and it was based on dissonance because our very bodies were dissonant. You know, we're talking about cell salts and things. That is the first rudimentary way of bringing ourselves into a harmonic uh, resonance. So as this new age comes forth and the people who that uh, have decided to make that jump in consciousness, then that resonance will not only be our protection, but then help uh, that transition period where we are bringing in those higher, uh, you know, uh, states of being and resonance into the earth itself that will in fact bring uh, the rebuilding from the ashes, so to speak. I don't think the whole thing uh, has to be destroyed in us with it. That's up to us. But yeah, Kali Yuga, if, if it's not happening now, I think you can sure see it from here. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it couldn't be more obvious. And I really, uh, I, I'd like to see that article. And I think you sent it to me. I want to really delve into it more because there, there's a lot there and I like to get behind the scenes into the math of things and see how they, you know, correlate with all the other systems. That's kind of a fun thing to do. But I think that, you know, the main thing take away from it is, yeah, that that's happening. It's, it's undeniable, but it still goes back to the same fundamentals as when we're talking about uh, the hypnotic suggestions of viruses that are killing us and weapons of mass destruction. We really have to gain knowledge. And I think there's somebody that said that one time, but way back when, uh, because it will set us free. The truth does set us free. And it also provides solutions. So um, I don't know if I answered your question at all. I've just been rambling there. But but yeah, I'm in agreement. This is this is the end of all cycles. Right on, right on. Well, you weren't rambling. You were just downloading and, and there's just so much that, so much food for thought there. This entire conversation just, you know, has my mind just uh, spiraling like the like the arms of the galaxy, which I, I think is a good sign. And I think we probably are at a good a, a good point to to wrap things up. And I, I wanted to I wanted to give you the floor just here at the end um, to share any information you feel like sharing about what's going on in the world, if there's more there or your current projects or any, any information on, in terms of the Dr. Bear Lando sphere that, that we might be you know, interested in. I, I heard through the grapevine that you're going to be uh, speaking at Music and Sky this uh, coming summer. Um, you know, I don't know if there's anything you'd like to share with, with, with folks, but uh, feel free to, to just uh, share away. 
Yeah, I don't know uh, about music and sky. It depends where it is because I've got a farm to run here. And, uh, you know, the last two years I wasn't able to make it because I've, I've got to oversee the farm stuff. Uh, right. doesn't do well when I'm away and it keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. So <laughs> if it's a short distance, I might go make a cameo. I think uh, Mike uh, volunteered me to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, one thing coming up is... Um, uh, a good documentary parts one and two that are going to be formally aired uh, in, uh, I think, the first and second week of February. And Marcy Kravitz, who's a brilliant documentary award winning, uh, you know, uh, videographer, she worked with um, uh, under the production of uh, Andy Kaufman, MD, who's another one of those great heroes these days, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, they created a documentary. Uh, I happen to, uh, you know, have some roles in it. And, and I think more in part two, when we get more into some of the stuff we're talking about. The first part, though, is more about, um, you know, the, the grand deception that we're all being exposed to now. And, uh, you know, the thing is, uh, people like Andy, Tom uh, Cowan, Kelly Brogan, they're all in it, by the way, as well as myself. But, you know, we're so far out of the germ theory virus box and we, uh, you know, expose the whole thing, uh, give ample evidence that, uh, you know, this is a complete scam. And uh, David Icke is going to emcee the uh, formal launching of it. And then we'll all be um, available in a round table after the airing, uh, you know, all uh, the participants in the movie. Uh, to do question and answer afterwards as, as well as David being there. So I'd say look for that one, because if you watch that, uh, if anybody has an open mind and two brain cells to rub together, it'll dispel all this garbage for, for good. Um, as terrain, far as here, right? you know, it's called Terrain. Yeah. Terrain, yeah, thank you. Uh, I forgot to mention the name of it. Yeah, and, and how can um, people stay on the... Uh, if they go to alphabet.com, sure. they can sign up for your newsletter and they'll they'll probably be reminded about that uh, that premiere. Is that is that true? Um, well, they they did a premiere at the event. Uh, I believe that was uh, kind of a rough cut and they did it for free for a while. Now, I think, you you know, you have to get behind the firewalls of the event. Um, after their free periods and, and then you can you know see that but then it, it will be out in the open I don't know what they're going to charge or not charge uh, for the formal launching of the polished product but um, yeah we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be mentioning that and you know just tune into our podcast uh, my wife and myself are going to be putting out a whole series of um, just more short videos uh, uh, different than what Mike and I do where we do our you know, long talks like you and I are doing today, which are great fun, um, you know, and we're doing it as a, as a labor of love because we really believe information is key right now. But uh, with these shorter versions, you know, 10 minute videos, uh, the people will be able to look over our shoulders as we walk around the farm and, you know, uh, do That's the very things exciting. throughout this. Yeah, do do all the things we do season to season to just keep the car, uh, the the farm going and, and how to grow the things we grow. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, look over my shoulder in the lab and see stuff that's going on in there. And so that that's going to be kind of fun. 
so, you know, we're just, we're having a great time and, and to finalize. So just thanks again for having me here. Cause it's always a delight to talk to you, but you know, we're actually having fun and there's a whole tribe gathering right now. We have people, uh, you know, by the week, uh, you know, new people arriving and just hanging out and visiting, getting to know people, people volunteering time, people moving here. So we see a movement where people that are in that similar uh, kinship, we'll say, we're all finding each other. It's like we've known each other forever. And we're all actually having fun and excited about the future. So I just want to leave people on that note that, um, you know, it's not doom and gloom out there unless you choose to hang out with those kinds of folks, because there's a lot of really cool stuff happening right now. Hey, that that's a wonderful way to conclude this conversation. Dr. Bear, thanks for being on my show today. I really, really appreciate it. It was fun. It was uh, enlightening. And uh, I hope we can do it again sometime. Uh, anytime. Love you a lot, Saul. Thanks again. Love you too. You have a great one. Okay. Take care. Take care.